Good morning, everyone. On this Sunday morning, we give thanks to God that we can be together to worship his holy name. We also will be witnessing this morning the baptism of Asher Zion Meyer, and we warmly welcome all visitors who are with us this morning. Uh, the Council has the following announcements. An attestation has been requested by Sister Rebecca De Bruyne and Brother Dale Hart to the Hope Canadian Reformed Church in Nerlandia. We also would like to remind the congregation that uh, of the congregational meeting that is scheduled for tomorrow evening at 7.30 here in this church building. Uh, this morning's worship service will be led by our pastor, Reverend Julius Vance Bronson. And in preparation for worship, we will praise our God with the singing of the songs that are sent to the churches for testing, Man of Sorrows, What a Name, stanzas 1, 4, and 5. Let us rise for worship and lift up our hearts to the Lord. We begin this worship service by together confessing our dependence on the Lord. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. We'll now sing together Psalm 100.
now read together the Ten Words of the Covenant, the Ten Commandments, and you can, if you like to read along, you can find it on page 61 in the Pew Bible. And as we hear these commandments, we also compare our lives to what the Lord has revealed about how we're called to live before Him, loving Him and our neighbor. We recognize our own failings, our own sins, so that we can also confess them before the Lord. Be assured that Christ has obeyed these commandments for us and in our place. In Exodus chapter 20, God speaks all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. We turn to the New Testament. The Lord Jesus teaches us this law in a summary. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. As we hear these commandments, we also recognize our sins and we will pray together to confess our sins. And in our prayer, we'll also remember the following announcement from the consistory with sadness. The consistory announces that William Vandenhack has withdrawn, withdrawn from the supervision and fellowship of the Emmanuel Canadian Reformed Church. Let us now join in prayer. Gracious and almighty God, we praise your holy and your awesome name. We see this world, the creation around us, the warming temperatures, the changing of seasons as the work of your hands. We praise you, Lord, for your greatness, for your 
revelation of this greatness also that we see in creation and also how you have revealed yourself to us in your word. You have shown to us that you are almighty God, the one true eternal God. You have revealed to us also how you have made us to live, to love you, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And we thank you, Father, that you have also revealed to us in our hearts, by your Holy Spirit, our own sins. As we reflect on the Ten Commandments, how they direct us to lift our eyes to you and to depend on you completely, to love our neighbor with our hearts, sincere way, we also recognize and confess our sins before you, O Lord. We have not always loved you with all our being. Again this week, we have said things and thought things and done things to those around us that have not served their spiritual growth, but in fact, harm. And Father, as we recognize our need for your grace, we thank you that we may rejoice in your grace. We may know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And we ask, Father, as we, as we pray for, as we thank you for your grace and mercy to us, that you will also work powerfully in the hearts of all those who are wandering away from this truth. We know, Father, that it is an ongoing struggle for, for many members of the congregation, covenant children, as they seeking to find their way, Lord, that the the truth of the gospel is not always clear. The need to rely completely on your grace is a, something that we are learning as we, we grow older. And Father, we, we pray that you will work powerfully in the hearts of those who are wandering away from this truth, those who are being exhorted and disciplined by the office bearers of this congregation. And we also pray, Lord, that you will uh, be with Billy, William Vanenhack. Lord, he has withdrawn from the supervision and the fellowship of this congregation. And we, we pray, Father, that you will be with him as he uh, seeks to understand how he can best glorify you. We pray, Father, that in the, the other church that he is now attending, that you will continue to Show your grace and your mercy to him, that he may also grow up and, and learn and be nourished and nurtured by your word, work powerfully in his heart by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, as we again turn to your word, as it is proclaimed to us both in the, the visible sacrament of holy baptism and in the preaching of the gospel, we ask, Father, that you will uh, enrich and, and bless us through this proclamation of the gospel in Jesus Christ. We pray these things in his name. Amen. We'll now sing together in response the declaration of the forgiveness of our sins in Jesus Christ as we praise 
the second person of the Trinity for washing us from all sin and stain. Those who confess their sins can be certain of the forgiveness of our sins. And we'll sing hymn seven, stanza two. and Kara Meyer have requested baptism for their son, Asher Zion, and we'll read together the form for the baptism of infants. It's on page 597 in the Book of Praise. The liturgical form explains the teaching of baptism and also includes the address for the parents as they recognize their role. Page 597 in the Book of Praise. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the doctrine of holy baptism is summarized as follows. First, we and our children are conceived and born in sin and are therefore by nature children of wrath so that we cannot enter the kingdom of God unless we are born again. This is what the immersion in or sprinkling with water teaches us. It signifies the impurity of our souls so that we may detest ourselves, humble ourselves before God, and seek our cleansing and salvation outside of ourselves. Second, baptism signifies and seals to us the washing away of our sins through Jesus Christ. We are therefore baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we are baptized into the name of the Father, God the Father testifies and seals to us that he establishes an eternal covenant of grace with us. He adopts us for his children and heirs and promises to provide us with all good and avert all evil or turn it to our benefit. When we are baptized into the name of the Son, God the Son promises us that he washes us in his blood from all our sins and unites us with him in his death and resurrection. Thus we are freed from our sins and accounted righteous before God. When we are baptized into the name of the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit assures us by this sacrament that he will dwell in us and make us living members of Christ, imparting to us what we have in Christ namely the cleansing from our sins and the daily renewal of our lives till we shall finally be presented without blemish among the assembly of God's elect and life eternal. 
And third, since every covenant contains two parts, a promise and an obligation, we are through baptism called and obliged by the Lord to a new obedience. We are to cleave to this one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to trust Him and to love Him with our whole heart, soul, and mind, and with all our strength. We must not love the world, but put off our old nature and lead a God-fearing life. And if we sometimes, through weakness, fall into sins, we must not despair of God's mercy, nor continue in sin. For baptism is a seal and trustworthy testimony that we have an eternal covenant with God. Although our children do not understand all this, we may not therefore exclude them from baptism. Just as they share without their knowledge in the condemnation of Adam, so are they without their knowledge received into grace in Christ. For the Lord spoke to Abraham, the father of all believers, and thus also speaks to us and our children, saying, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. We read that in Genesis 17, verse 7. Peter also testifies to this when he says, For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. That's Acts 2, verse 39. Therefore, in the old dispensation, God commanded that infants be circumcised. The circumcision was a seal of the covenant and of the righteousness of faith. Christ, we read in Mark 10, verse 16, also took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. In the new dispensation, baptism has replaced circumcision. Therefore, infants must be baptized as heirs of the kingdom of God and of his covenant. And as they grow up, their parents have the duty to instruct them in these things. In order that we may now administer this holy sacrament of God to his glory for our comfort and to the upbuilding of the congregation, let us call upon his holy name. Almighty, eternal God, in your righteous judgment, you punish the unbelieving and unrepentant world with the flood, but in your great mercy saved and protected the believer Noah and his family. You drowned the obstinate Pharaoh and all his host in the Red Sea, but led your people Israel through the midst of the sea on dry ground, by which baptism was signified. We therefore pray that you and your infinite mercy will graciously look upon this, your child, and incorporate Asher, Zion, Meyer, by your Holy Spirit, into your Son, Jesus Christ, so that he may be buried with him by baptism into death and raised with him to walk in newness of life. We pray that Asher, following him day by day, may joyfully bear his cross and cleave to him in true faith, firm hope, and ardent love. Grant that he comforted in you may leave this life which is no more than a constant death, and that the last day may appear without terror before the judgment seat of Christ, your Son. All this we ask through him, our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who with you and the Holy Spirit, one only God, lives and reigns forever. Amen. Now ask the parents to rise.
Beloved in Christ the Lord, you have heard that baptism is an ordinance of the Lord our God to seal to us and our children his covenant. We must therefore use this sacrament for that purpose and not out of custom or superstition. That it may be clear then that you desire baptism for the right purpose, you are to answer sincerely the following questions. First, do you confess that our children, though conceived and born in sin, and therefore subject to all sorts of misery, even to condemnation, are sanctified, set apart in Christ, and thus as members of his church ought to be baptized? Second, do you confess that the doctrine of the Old and New Testament, summarized in the confessions and taught here in this Christian church, is the true and complete doctrine of salvation? And third, do you promise as father and as mother to instruct your child in this doctrine as soon as he is able to understand and to have him instructed therein to the utmost of your power. What is your answer, Curtis and Kara? After the administration of baptism, I invite you all to rise so that we can respond singing hymn 58 together. Asher, Zion, Meyer, I baptize you into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let us rise and sing together hymn 58.
in prayer of thanksgiving. Almighty, merciful God and Father, we thank and praise you that you have forgiven us and our children all our sins through the blood of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. You received us through your Holy Spirit as members of your only begotten Son, and so adopted us to be your children. You sealed and confirmed this to us by holy baptism. We pray through your beloved Son that you will always govern this child by your Holy Spirit, that Asher, Zion, Meyer may be nurtured in the Christian faith and in godliness and may grow and increase in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grant that he thus may acknowledge your fatherly goodness and mercy which you have shown to him and to us all. May Asher live in all righteousness under our only teacher, King and High Priest Jesus Christ and valiantly fight against and overcome sin, the devil and his whole dominion. May he forever praise and magnify you and your Son, Jesus Christ, together with the Holy Spirit, the one only true God. We pray, Father, that as we again open your word and hear the proclamation of the gospel, that you will work powerfully in the hearts of in our hearts to enlighten us to understand what we are reading to submit ourselves to your instruction we ask father that you will also bless your servant in this place as he proclaims that gospel and that you will equip him also with the conviction and the clarity that he needs for this task and calling we ask father that as we together Rejoice in the gospel of the forgiveness of our sins in Jesus Christ and consider together the consequences for our fellowship and unity as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ that your name may receive all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. morning in connection with the text from Leviticus we'll read together from Romans 6 and Ephesians chapter 4 as we're drawing near to Good Friday and celebration of commemoration of Christ's death and his uh, resurrection I thinking it would be good to have a text from the Old Testament that pointed forward to to Christ's death and I Remember, as a child, reading an article in Clarion, uh, written as a story about the scapegoat from the perspective of the scapegoat, and I thought that'd be a good, a good text from Leviticus 16. And as we see, as we study, we will come to see that the the scapegoat doesn't really point to Christ's death on the cross. It's the the sin offering, and the focus of the scapegoat is connected to the passages we read. Uh, together here in the New Testament, the removing of sin from the fellowship of God's people. And so it was tended at the beginning of the week to deal with Christ's death. We end up connecting the two. We see the connection between Christ's death and his resurrection as, 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 as together and their connection to one another. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 14. We'll read that together. It's page 942. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died... 
to, died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For no one who has died has been set free. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. We'll also read together Ephesians chapter 4, <coughs> verses 20 to 32. <clears throat> this is also a text that confirms what we confess on Lord's Day 3, as we'll see that this afternoon. But here it shows how turning... To Jesus Christ includes putting off sins. Ephesians 4 verse 20. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So by the reading of Scripture, we'll now sing hymn 49, stanzas 1 and 2, preparation for the reading of the text and its proclamation. Hymn 49, stanzas 1 and 2.
text for the message this morning is taken from Leviticus 16. It's the center of that book, Leviticus, the Day of Atonement, 